You're listening to Powerful, a podcast that will provide you with solutions to ignite your superpowers, identify your limiting habits, and help you be more authentic. Hi, I'm your host, Bridget Brown Jackson. The episodes are cultivated with you in mind and teach us how to be intentionally powerful. It is declared that you are ordained for it. Welcome, welcome back, my powerful people. We are so very excited for this episode today. Speak your truth. We have a special guest today for you. Her name is Rasati. She hails all the way from Singapore, and she specializes in trauma-informed emotional intelligence. Rasati believes that all emotions are valid and key to a happy and peaceful life. That comes from accepting and understanding each emotion rather than denying or hiding your pain. Today, we're going to hear from her as she gives us three golden nuggets. So don't go anywhere. You're going to learn some valuable information. We're going to talk about trusting yourself. We're going to talk about not ignoring that internal voice and definitely speak your truth. Honesty goes a long way. Ritsati's mission is to teach all of us to trust ourselves by exploring our emotions, vulnerability, and belief systems. She is the host of the Night Owl podcast, and I am ready for you to hear her. We're going to hear from her as soon as we hear from our sponsor. Thank you to Exponential Edge Adventures for being our sponsor for this week's episode calling all career women who want to execute. Do you desire to get better results? Are you seeking to influence others? Maybe you want to be seen for the support that you give. Or do you seek to improve the quality of the systems around you? We have a solution to support you. We're offering a free execution profile to help you identify your superpowers and leverage them. Just go to simplytomorrow.com and get yours today. Use the offer code SOLUTION. Act fast. Right, all right, powerful people. We're so very excited. I got my girl, Rasati, here with me all the way from Singapore. Rasati, tell the people about you and who you are. Hey, y'all. Okay, so yes, my name is Rasati, and I am here in Singapore. Uh, I was in Virginia for about 20 years, but I finally moved back home to Singapore. Uh, I'm an emotional intelligence coach, and I like talking about feelings so much that I decided to start a business all the way around it. So um, teaching people about embracing their emotions, uh, trying really hard not to deny their emotions, pretending they're not hurt, pretending they're not feeling something or some kind of way so that they lead a little more peaceful life, a little more honesty goes a long way. So this is, this is me. I talk about feelings all day long. <laughs> I like that part. I like that part. Honesty goes a long way. That's one of my things. I, I love integrity. I'm really about it. You know, so again, oops, I made a mistake. I'm cool with it. Even if it's with me, like Bridget, you made a mistake there. But that's okay. Girl, get up, dust yourself off and keep moving. I love integrity. So I'm so excited. I want our <laughs> listening audience to truly, truly understand you have no idea. I've had my little uh, uh, crush. I got a little crush now. I just recently 
only met uh, Rasaki. And when I say she is phenomenally, phenomenally uh, wise, I, I just, you know, again, I love talking about emotional intelligence. And then I love it when it can come from a powerful woman. And so I'm very excited about our talk today, <laughs> sis. Let's get into it. Um, I want to share with the people, uh, again, just emotional intelligence. So when you're talking about emotional intelligence, explain a little bit about that. What is emotional intelligence? Okay, so here's my take on it. I know there are lots of definitions on that. I know people are going to go off on Google and be like, all right, what is this? I want to know. But for me, when I talk about emotional intelligence, it's that uh, it's an instinct that we all have. If you think about little children, they can tell when you're upset. They just tell by your facial features, you know, your expression on your face, the way you carry yourself. They can tell when something's off or when someone's really excited and they don't have anything that kind of inhibits how they express their emotions. So when they get excited, they get really excited. They jump up and down, they scream and, you know, they just, it kind of bursts out of every pore. But we as adults, we don't do that anymore. Why? Because we've been taught that maybe that's not appropriate. We're being too loud. We're drawing too much attention. And so we censor ourselves so much. And so when I talk about emotional intelligence, it's that intuitiveness when you know a loved one isn't isn't their normal self. What is normal for them, right? Um, or if you realize that a stranger as you're passing maybe isn't in such a great place, that that want to reach out and help somebody, that ability to tell when something is not going well or to to know when someone needs a little extra encouragement. That's what I think of as emotional intelligence. I think it's so important because every day of our lives, most aspects of our lives include another human being. Yeah. So right now with COVID, we're stuck in a house with all our family members. Guess what? You don't have the choice to go out and party. You're going to have to be in the house. So how do you get along with all those people when you can't retreat to your own corner, when you have to share those, you know, those common spaces? Like, how do you get along with those people? You got to know when they're in the mood to talk and when they need their space. You got to know all those things. How do you know this thing? So that comes from emotional intelligence. So that's okay. why that's why I talk about this stuff all day long. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, one of the things as an educator, and I, you, I would say sometimes a former educator, and I'm like, never. You're still educating. I'm always going to be educated. Now, I left yes. a brick and mortar building, but mm -hmm. uh, there is still a principal in here. Um, sometimes yes. I still try to tell people what to do. Look, <laughs> it's like you are not the boss of other people anymore yet. Uh, and then I laugh um, because, again, I'll always be a teacher. But mm -hmm. one of the things that I like to share is that IQ is very important. Yes. You know, um, I've gotten my degrees and I've learned and gleaned and that's important. But you know what the number one priority for me right now is making mm -hmm. sure that I sharpen my emotional quotient over and over okay. and over again. And so um, I'm going to just just love. I, I'm ready. I have my pen over here and my paper right <laughs> here to take my notes from you. Um, and so I'm really, really excited. So one of the things that, you know, we talked about in the intro, it says that our, our audience is going to walk away with three things, learning how to Ooh. trust themselves, uh, knowing don't ignore themselves and just speak your truth. So let's get into mm -hmm. that first point uh, about cool. trusting yourself. What advice and tips do you have for people? How do you trust yourself? I think that comes from a place of self-awareness, honestly. Um, I am a natural introvert. So I spent the most of my childhood, because we were moving around so much, um, I spent a lot of my childhood observing people because I didn't know where I fit in. I didn't know what it meant to fit in. And I definitely did not want to make a fool of myself. So I watched what all the popular kids were doing. I watched what you know the adults did, how people interacted with each other. And... Um, learned to fit in in such a way where I was denying what I actually wanted. 
So when I wanted space or I wanted to be by myself, I couldn't speak up and say that as an Asian, as a female, as a person of color. It's not really what we're allowed to do back then when we were growing up. So um, learning to trust yourself means that you are feeling something for a reason. And to deny that would be lying to yourself, which means you're just going to complicate things in a way that is really unnecessary. So for instance, if I were to walk into a room, let's say I was invited to a party, it's a family gathering, something, walk into a room and I suddenly feel very self-conscious. I don't really feel like being myself rather than going through the, you know, the social niceties of go shake everybody's hands and go give everybody a hug. Oh my gosh, I missed you. I missed you so long. If you were going to allow me to trust myself and let me warm up the way I want to warm up, which means let me go to the kitchen and find something to drink and find a quiet corner to kind of just like kind of chill for a second until I feel comfortable with the room. And then I go out and go and say hi to everybody. That would be great. That means I'm trusting myself. I know what I need instead of catering to what everyone else's needs are. And then people pleasing. I know everybody knows what people pleasing is. And we get caught in that trap a lot because we're trying to make sure that no one else is offended. But how often do we really think about what we do for ourselves so that we feel comfortable instead of forcing stuff? You know what I mean? So that's why I think it's really important that we learn to trust ourselves. Yeah, I like that, especially the, the people pleasing part. So you mm-hmm. hit me. So I said, ouch, <laughs> you stepped on my toes. Uh, so you know, okay. I love the part about, you know, you said you're introverted. Well, I'm extroverted. So, you know, we're opposites that have attracted. And, you know, like I say, I'm so very excited to, 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 uh, look forward to all of the things that we're going to do, not just here today, but, you know, down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you said introverted. I'm extroverted. I'm a, a, a discertified consultant. So I, I love talking about people. I love talking about yep. Uh, watching people. I love talking about their behaviors. And so you said about the people pleasing, well, I'm an eye on the disc and okay. eyes are interactive. And guess what? Mm-hmm. We love to please people. And I'll say sometimes, you know, I'm not like that. And it's like, mm, I found myself this week saying, Bridget, that's the motive. That's where that is coming from. And so mm-hmm. I have to realize, okay, trust yourself. At times I do need to please people. After all, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businesswoman. Um, I work with career women. So it, there are some people out there. I have some stakeholders. I have some uh, uh, clients. I have people that I need to please, but. I need to make sure that I'm trusting myself too. And so I, I appreciate that. You really helped me with that one. Definitely. Because- and, and you know what? As much as as much as we know that tor- that coin term, right? People pleasing, I would like to challenge that and say, we need to get along with people. We don't necessarily need to please them. And there's plenty that we can do to get along with them. Okay. As long as they understand that we have our boundaries, we have our limitations, we're all human, right? We can't do everything all the time for everybody else. We got to make space for ourselves too. So I would love to please everybody. And I used to think I could do it as long as I was not on that list of people that needed to be pleased. Um, But I also realized that it pours out of me and I don't get replenished. And I I tend to end up feeling bitter sometimes and resent people sometimes, but it's a choice I'm making because I want to get along with them. I want them to like me. I want them to accept me. Does that make sense? That makes a whole lot of sense because you just... (laughs) My toes about that being resent. I'm sorry. 
when I say step on my toes, that's good because I learned when 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 people hit me in that spot, I was like, oh yes, I'm gonna walk away from here better and improved, and you're adding value. So anytime I say stepping on my toes, I'm saying stepping on my toes. You know, I mean it in the in the best possible way. <laughs> yes, yes, I needed to, to hear that part because I did. I found myself even this week kind of getting in my feelings about some things, and I had to laugh because my husband is my sounding board. Um, and so again. Uh, you know, I, I, I relate a lot of stuff to the disc. And so I'm an I and he's an S. You know, both of them are, are people styled versus Taz, but he's more the listener. He's more, you know, very patient. You know, he he's an observer and and I am, too, but I'm on the other side. So I'm the dreamer side and I'm the, the innovator and I'm like, yes, we can do this. And so I'm the cheerleader. And so he's in the background. He's sitting beside. So he's more introverted than I am. Okay. And I laugh because, you know, he just shared that same thing. So that's why I said you stepped over toes. Uh, but I, I love it. <laughs> I love it because when I hear it more than once, especially in a few days, confirming. I, I, need to, <laughs> I need to work on that. So I love that. Trust yourself. All right. So point number two, you said don't ignore you. Oh, my goodness. OK. How many times have we pretended we weren't hurt by something that was said or offended by someone's behavior? We, we try to play it all strong, like, oh, no, you ain't bother me. I was fine. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. But guess what? Deep down, we're re- replaying that scene in our heads like, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. Like, why would they even oh my God, really, you know, what does that really mean? But if we are being honest with ourselves, right, if we allow those feelings to be what they are, mm-hmm. I believe that we can actually learn a lot. So when I talk about feelings, when I talk about, you know, trusting yourself, I have this theory, this theory that our spirit is this entity that lives, it's a consciousness that lives inside of our bodies, right? But how does that consciousness communicate with us? And I believe it's through our feelings. So the spirit wants what the spirit wants. And you're going to get upset about certain things when your boundaries are violated. You're going to get hurt about certain things when you expected something and it didn't turn out the way you expected it. But how do we know, right? That's our spirit talking to us. It's telling us, hey, this doesn't feel so good. You might want to check it out. You might want to, you know, let's drill down and see where it is that, you know, this is coming from. Um, Maybe you need to draw this boundary a little bit harder. Maybe you need to tell somebody, hey, you do this. It hurts my feelings so that they at least know they can correct it. Because if you don't tell them, they don't know that that they're hurting you. You're assuming that they can figure it out. Some people don't get hints. Subtlety doesn't work. (laughs) You just got to be blunt about it. And it's not ever a a fun conversation. It's usually a couple of conversations because the first time you say it, it's not with the best vocabulary. Someone's going to be offended by the words you use. But eventually, if they care enough, they're going to ask you to clarify and you get a chance to actually really speak it out. So when I say don't deny your feelings, it's because your spirit is telling you something doesn't sit right. Something isn't where it should be. It could be better. You could be expecting something more. Uh, A simplest way to to test that theory Mm -hmm. is to watch your phone. So the next time your phone rings, you look at that that number that pops up on your phone, the name that it's saved under, and you take note of how you feel the minute that name pops up. Are you Mm -hmm. excited about that phone call? Are you dreading answering the phone call? Are you thinking about whether you should decline or answer or whatever? Like think about that feeling because that's telling you how you feel about that person or at least the interactions with that that person. It may be somebody you love dearly. It may be one of those, oh my God, bless your heart moments, but I got to answer this. So I don't want to answer this. You know, it might be one of those, seriously. 
But that tells you something about that connection. Do you feel like you have enough space in that connection to speak up and say what you mean? Or is that connection kind of overshadowed or overpowered by the other person's energy? Is that something you need to draw a boundary on? So this is why I'm saying, like, don't mm. knock these feelings. Ooh, and the I, second I part wish of that? I had an emoji. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish I just had an emoji could just pop up on the screen right now. Oh, no. That right there, it would just fire, would just break out all over the screen. Oh, no. <laughs> You know, that is fire. And when I'm seeing screen for the people who are listening um, via audio, we do have a video uh, podcast, too, as well. So if you're not watching it, you I wish you could. I wish you were watching so you can <laughs> see my face when she said that. Oh, wow. I've never like th- this is why Look, I told you I just, just got this crush now on you. You are. I've never been in your presence and not been blessed. That right there. Ooh, that blessed me. That blessed me. I, I, I honestly, hope- that's how I feel. Like I, I like feelings. I talk about feelings. I'm a Pisces, like true blue, all feelings. <laughs> um, but people don't tend to realize that feelings aren't meant to stay for very long. They're very temporary. So if the, the faster you let it wash over you and it will wash over you and finish, mm-hmm. the better for you. But what we do is we stuff it down. We hide it away. We, you know, shove it under the carpet until it builds and builds and builds that pressure builds so much that it blows up into some like obnoxious comment or a rude, you know, uh, experience with somebody else. And it's not ever meant to be like that, but you bottled it down so long that it had nowhere else to go, but to burst out. Wow. I like that. That, that was really good. I'm going to start because I do notice I, when you said that I could think of the people that when my phone ring, I, I do that with, but I'm going to start thinking about, okay, how conscious am I about everybody and to see what it brings so I can start working on that? Because if it is, it's ringing and it's like, Ugh, then I need to work on that. I need to work on that relationship. I need to work that on that. That relationship needs a little bit of love in there. Yeah. A little bit of TLC. Yeah. You just, that right there was worth the price of admission. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Oh my God. That is just absolutely wonderful. All right. Well, I want to go. I want to. We're gonna do point number three, but we're gonna make sure. people wait for the point number three. Let's dig in a little bit. I want to ask you a question about you. Sure. Um, and so you, you've been, you were stateside, so you were here in the United States. And when I say stateside, yeah. for the people who are listening, because we do have people that listen in other countries sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. we are, we are doing this live in the United States. Uh, I happen to be in the city of Flint, Michigan. Some people might know about Flint because we heard about the the horrible water crisis and how the whole city was uh, absolutely poisoned. And so that's where I'm at. Um, But, you know, people are, you know, all over. So I wanted to explain that. But you said, you know, you were here in the States and you, you, you were born actually in Singapore, right? I was born in Singapore, yep. And then you grew up though in... All over. Oh, my God. You would think it's an army brat thing. It's not. My dad just couldn't make up his mind. He's a civil engineer. So he anytime he got bored in the country, he was like, let's go. Let's move. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so you have had the opportunity to really be kind of acculturated. So you, you've been around various yes. places and things Trial like that. Trial by fire. <laughs> <laughs> Trial by fire. <laughs> but, I mean, to, to, to make it as simple as possible, uh-huh. uh, I was born in Singapore. I left here when I was five. Yeah. And since then, I've lived in... Uh, London. I mm-hmm. lived in Brisbane, Australia, and then I lived in Adelaide, Australia, and then I lived in Indonesia, Jakarta, Indonesia, and then I lived in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So that is a total of five different countries, mm-hmm. seven different languages, 
uh-huh. 10 different schools all before I hit 14. Wow. Wow. So I moved around a lot too, but not all over the over the world. I'm just here <laughs> in the country. So I went to multiple schools like that too. So I can yeah. relate. But I said all of that because I want to talk about your success. You, you've had the, the privilege and the reason why I was bringing it up, you've had the privilege of living in, in wonderful, you know, countries, even though as a child, you probably thought it was just. I hated it. <laughs> I was, I was, I hated my, my mother moved me my senior year in high school. Oh, and I was like, really? And, and then this was the thing. I moved from California to Michigan my senior year. Like, really? Wow. So, yeah. so I know California is laid back. What was that transition like for you? Like to Michigan? You see, for the people that, small that can't town? watch the video, they can't see my face right now. Oh, it was absolutely horrible. Um, because I love being at LA at that time. You know, I, I lived there when I was younger and then I moved back here and went to high, started mm-hmm. high school, but then, you know, moved back out there and then, you know, went to high school my, my first couple of years, I mean, middle school and then moved back out there. So my senior year, I had all of my friends, you know, that's the year that's like so important. So it's I came supposed to be yeah settled. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know if a lot of people in my high school, I ended up being really, um, uh, I, I was introverted at the time, which I know is I'm yeah. not introverted. And we talked about that. That was some of the mm-hmm. things that happened to me. Um, molestation being one of the things that, you know, it, yeah. it, it made me go within. And uh, I'm glad that the finally, you know, I came out and not, not saying anything against introverted people because I love you and love people that, are, you know, like you. Like I say, my husband is a little bit more introverted. But I knew that wasn't me. So I knew I could truly be me, me, and I could be me now. Um, and I, I I said all of that to say, you know, it was. It was very traumatizing, but yeah. I made the most of it. And the crazy thing is now, um, I didn't know a lot of people when I was in high school. And now most of the people that I graduated with are my best, best, besties. <laughs> and I didn't awesome. know them in high school. But when we had our 30th class reunion, a couple years back, I was really able uh, to really befriend and really befriend them because now I, I value friendship. You I got know to be that. yourself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I love that. I was going to teach you to say, you can tell me I don't look like I'm. <laughs> No, but I'm not even going to try and guess your age because you don't, I, I don't know. I assume everybody's my age. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's right. Well, anyways, let's get into you. We can talk about me, but this is about you. Let's talk about you. So you've had success. Um, tell us some of those things, you know, that you, you've been able to accomplish. And then I want to flip that coin, though. And I want to okay. say, I want you to tell the audience. But how did you get there? What were the roadblocks? What were the obstacles Ooh. that to step over to get there? Wow, the adventure. Um, it took me a while to decide what I wanted to do because I really didn't know. But it came out of a need to find a solution that I couldn't find existed already. So here in Singapore, the trend is to have a helper live in the house with you to take care of all the housework, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the kids or whatever. That's just the norm here. Whereas in the States, you don't have that. You take care of everything. So coming from the States, having left a marriage with two stepkids and then my toddler as well, I was used to running a household of five, you know, running, cooking, cleaning, everything, working, all of that. Come to Singapore and then the expectation is, oh, no, you're supposed to hire somebody to do all that or you're going to make us all look bad. It's basically what I heard. They didn't say that out loud. Obviously, that's what I read between the lines. Um, But while I do that, that means someone else is taking care of my kid. Someone else is raising my kid. I didn't like that idea very much. And then because people expect you to have a helper at home, there is no work-life balance. 
Okay. Your employer expects you to stay up to seven o'clock at night. You know, they expect you to answer work emails as soon as you come home. And I know it's it's more common now as well with COVID and internet and you know yeah. communications being kind of blurry or whatever. It's not just email no more. It's like WhatsApp. It's it's you know telegrams, all kinds of platforms. But I couldn't do that to my kid because I barely saw her. So I would send her school starts at 730 in the morning here in Singapore. So that means she got to be up by 630. I got to drop her off at school. And then if she's in daycare, because school ends at 145, who in the hell gets off at 145 to come pick up their kid in the middle of the day? You can't. There's no way. So you have to have school, you know, after school arrangements. So from 730 in the morning until seven o'clock at night, she'd be with somebody else. Which means when I get her home, she has time to have dinner and go to sleep by eight because she got to be up at 630 in the morning. So I get my kid for an hour and a half every day. And that's not enough. So I was trying to figure out like, how, how do I manage this? How do I make money? How do I see my kid? How do I raise my child? Yeah. And I decided, you know what? I can't work for somebody else and do that. They're not going to let me do it. They're not going, I'm not going to have that peace of mind. So what I realized was I had to build my own solution. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to work for myself, what am I going to sell? What am I going to teach? What am I going to do for money? I have no idea. And so I went looking for ideas. I wanted to rep another company online. We tried Amway. We tried um, (laughs) coaching, (laughs) coaching for somebody else, you know, but I didn't like the program that they had. I didn't feel like I could get behind it. I can sell your product, but I don't know if I'd be the best person to sell your product because that's not what I am. That's not who I am. So it took me a little bit of doing, but I started by creating content. I started by doing a podcast every day. And I started by putting out content on social media to talk about what I love talking about, feelings. Because at the time I was trying to heal from a divorce. I was trying to build myself back from depression because I left my stepkids behind. I couldn't bring them with me. In Virginia, stepparents have no legal rights unless you adopt them. And oftentimes the the biological parents aren't going to let you adopt the kids. So I had to leave them behind. I had to start over. And as I was healing myself, I started talking about the things that I thought mattered and how I was finding new ways to understand life. And it kind of grew from there. Okay. 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 So it sounded like there was a lot of, of, of stumbling blocks that you shared. That oh were my goodness. Unique. I think there are more stumbling okay. blocks than there yeah. are triumphs. <laughs> so what's your take on that? What's your take on that? Especially since we're talking about emotions and we're talking about emotional oh. intelligence. Um, how... What difference did it make? I guess here's the question. What difference did it make the fact that you were more self-aware? Do you think that made a difference had you not had some of the knowledge that you have about emotional intelligence? Honestly, I didn't know what to call it until I came to Singapore and started trying to figure out what I was going to teach. Um, And at the time, I think there was only one TED talk on emotional intelligence, which was Ashley Zahabian. But before that, I've always been the kind of person trying to figure out why people do what they do. Okay. Um, Moving around so many places, my brother and I are only four years apart. My my middle brother and I, my youngest brother and I are 10 years apart, but the middle brother and I were really, really close growing up. And then for some reason, he went one way, I went another. And I couldn't understand why, because we were raised by the same parents. Yeah. the two of us growing up, our parents were the same for us. Now they were different from my youngest brother, but I could not figure out for the life of me why raised in the same environment by the same parents, the same influences. Why was he so different from me? Yeah. Why did he do things so different from me? Was it a personality thing? Was it a nurture thing? I couldn't figure it out. So I went and studied psychology. Um, and after that, I thought, you know, 
I think I could help young people try and figure out where they are headed or what they want to do. And I thought guidance counselor, let's go do that because that would be really fun to do. And then I took a left turn because as much as I wanted to be a guidance counselor or a principal, I didn't think that I could make enough of a difference standing in person in front of them because I looked like I was their age. I didn't think I had enough years behind me for them to really respect me as a teacher. So I kind of gave up on that. I mentored a little bit. I went straight into, you know, what do we do after we graduate? We try and get a job as fast as possible. We've got student loans chasing us. So I got into retail. I worked at Rack Room Shoes first. And then eventually I worked at like, you know, places in the mall, like Sam Goody's and Claire's, like all those, all those places where I could get discounts for things I would buy anyway. I think I go. No, that's right. <laughs> and eventually I ended up in marketing. I uh, worked for Kingsville Resort owned by Anheuser-Busch in Virginia. And um, I ended up doing the catering contracts, the F&B contracts. It was just, you know, busy work, really simple stuff. But I got to interact with people. And what I realized was everybody had their own way of doing things. Okay. And even though there is a process to get the work done, everyone still had their own way to prioritize, their own way to time manage. They all did things their own way. So it wasn't right. It wasn't wrong. It was their way. It was the best way they could manage. So watching all of that stuff, I realized that I can't expect people to do any one thing. If I'm going to lead anybody or get along with them, I need to figure out what their priorities are so I can talk the language that they would understand. And I didn't know what the term was for it until way you know into the future, like now emotional intelligence. How do you get along with people? You need to know what drives them first before you can speak to them. Yeah, I love that. I love that because I, I like, I, again, I'm, I'm a disc consultant, so I, I'm yep. into personality. And I'm still um, learning. I, One day I'll be able to talk disc with you. <laughs> I know. We, we we got a long friendship ahead of we'll us, so that. I look mm-hmm. forward to that. Uh, but I, I love, you know, again, learning about people. I'm like you, I did choose the route of education, but I was always trying to analyze people. And I, I laugh now, you know, when I, when I keep, because every day I unravel mm-hmm. this onion, you know, so every day I'm unpacking like who Bridget oh, yeah. is. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing. I have the best smile, like I say, on my face. I love, absolutely what, love what I do. And I love what I did before. I absolutely, a matter of fact, for six months, I cried because I couldn't believe that I left my my nice, you know, it was done. lovable job, but it was a good mm-hmm. paying job. And it was like, but Bridget, you're going to do your dream. But I like, but I know, but I want to have that over there. And so as you were saying earlier about, you know, talking about your feelings and everything and doing all of that, I had to unpack that. And, you know, one of my feelings was, but am I going to be as good over here as I was over there? It's like, girl, yeah, you're the same person going over here. So, yes, you just got to get people to help you with your business model. And so I know that that's not me because I had to quit on my business. Um, I, look, I tell people this. I started a business since I was a teenager. Like okay. if you, you gave me something. As a matter of fact, I did before computers were invented. <laughs> OK, before we had computers in homes. Guess what? I taught myself calligraphy. Ooh. I taught myself how to do calligraphy. So when I was in high school, when people wanted flyers, I mm. designed flyers for people. Yeah. I hand did wedding invitations. I did, you know, name scripts for people. So that, oh, that was my little hustle. side hustle. 
Uh-huh. But, you know, but I didn't know how to do the business model with it. So, you know, I would come and go. I, I was sharing with you earlier, you know, my family, we have a photo booth business. And so, you know, we've just had, you know, this and that and done. And I've been doing consulting, but I, you know, I consult. And then I was like, mm, it's taking too much time on me being a principal. So I would go back to, you know, being the principal. But now, mm-mm. I was like, I'm out here now. I'm in the water. I'm in the deep end. And, you know, I'm not alone. I can swim, but I can't swim miles. So, you know, I'm out here and I'm right here and, and I'm I'm out here. So it's just like. And I'm oh, so glad man. you are. I'm so glad you are. I'm going to tell you this. It took me a long time to kind of like do more than just dip my pinky toe in the water. Because okay. I was scared because who really talks about mental health? Therapists mm-hmm. do. I'm not a therapist though. I am a coach. I like teaching. I like keeping people accountable. I like teaching them new concepts and then like helping them apply. I think implementation is so, so important because people can go to school and learn all the theories all they want, but until you apply it to your life, what does that mean? You just have the knowledge, you're just sitting on it. Who say that, say that right there. You know, people don't understand that. I can get knowledge all day long. And and this is where I had to change. And so, you know, we can even talk about this right now. Like what you do with your coaching, what what does that look like? However, whatever you want to share, you know, with the listening audience with that, because here's one of the things that I'm finding as a coach. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that when you start talking about people and you're peaking clients and uh, potential clients, rather, you know, people are always, well, I don't know if I can afford that. And I'm like, can you not afford it? You know, think about, you know, what you pour into stuff. If your marriage is struggling, hmm, which one is cheaper? Getting help right now or paying that expensive divorce or paying for the stuff that comes after the divorce? So I'm a divorcee. So I know, you know, it took me years to land back on my feet and not just financially, just to land on my feet with 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 the time with my children and everything. So if it could have been, you know, restored, that would have been great. You know, it couldn't be restored because on couldn't take one person. It took two people to try to restore it. So anyways, I, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, no, uh, but that's, that's, there's some great examples. There's a great, I'm a divorcee as well. I'm a single yeah. parent. So I talk to a lot of people and people keep saying, okay, well, who's your target audience? I'm saying any kind of human type preacher that has some emotions, those are my target audience, because guess what? Whether you're in a relationship, whether you're dealing with your parents, whether you're dealing with your children, your colleagues, your teachers, your fellow students, whatever, yeah, they have their own way of doing things. And unless you understand what that is, what motivates them, what upsets them, what makes them happy, if you don't know what those things are, if you can't tell what those things are, you're all bound to fight. Yeah, yeah. No one likes chaos. No one wants to be offended. And guess what? I hit you. You hit me. You hurt me. I hurt you. Yeah. We're not going to get nowhere. Yeah. And people so, don't realize to invest. That's the point that I was making. You got to invest. You know, and people think this therapy thing is supposed to be like the rest. I don't want you to be tagged to me the rest of my (laughs) life or your life. No, no, that's not what teachers do. I got to teach you something. And once you learn it, you're good. You should be able to do for yourself at that point. I'm going to teach you the framework, a framework that I think that you could apply in any situation. Once you apply it one time with me holding your hand, I expect you to be able to walk away and feel confident to apply it again if it ever happens for exactly. yourself. Yes, that part right there. So people need to, to know that. But again, it goes back to what you said. Your first principle is to trust yourself. You got to trust yourself. And then you can't ignore what you're feeling because sometimes people will ignore that. They know what they want and what they need. Like for me, I knew I needed a coach, but I was just like, I can't afford this. And I can, especially after, you know, I, I left my job. 
and I'm living off my savings now because, you know, I didn't do what most people do, you know, make this big old, uh, save up abundance, you know, before Mm -hmm. I I launched out, I was like, look, I, I love what I do. But I know if I didn't go out and go into the deep end, I would stand right there on the shore and be like, oh, the water's too cold. And I would stay there. Did he say, he said, burn the boats, right? Burn the boats. Burn I burned the, boat. the boats because I knew if I had a boat laying around, I would just jump back in it when so I get there. I laughed now because I would have, had I not burned the boat, I would not have been able to be on ET's campus. I wouldn't be on Lisa Nichols campus because I was saying and I was making I had a job making good money and I was telling myself I can't afford them. And I'm laughing because now I'm affording them. And this is like Bridget, you said, you know, you you had less now than you yeah. It's funny what happens when you really, really want something. Yeah, when you want something. And that's the point that I'm making that people need to understand that they need to invest in this. And so if there's somebody I'm challenging people right now that's listening to this and that's their area, you know, that you know there's some things that you need to do with your emotional intelligence, you need to hit my girl up. So we're going to finish the interview. But I'm, I'm saying like, you have blessed me so much on here. And I I, I don't normally don't do this okay. in the middle of the interview. But if you're listening to this and you're watching, uh, listening rather by way of audio, I need you to, to either hit up ordainededucator at gmail.com and, and leave a comment or put a comment, you know, in the, if you're watching on Apple, especially me listening on Apple podcast um, to put a comment, you know, do a review because this is fire right here. Please today. do. This is fire. I learned so much from comments. Yeah. But to hear what you're saying, they need to, 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 to really apply the things in life. Girl, I, I gotta, I'm sitting here. I know I get to listen to this <laughs> like over again, but I'm taking notes right now <laughs> while you're talking because this is really, really good. So you shared about the obstacles and, and how you were able to kind of navigate some of that um, thing. I want to talk about, we, your third principle is speak your truth. So we're going to talk about speaking truth, but can you tell me in the context of, by starting off, what were some of the limiting beliefs that you had that was holding have, you back? Still have some. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. Limiting beliefs. Oh my gosh. Um, I am the first entrepreneur in my okay. immediate family, um, and I'm not successful like to the point that I can sustain myself all on my own. I'm working on it, but. I'm in a field where no one thinks that you can make money. Okay. So um, without having a private practice and a couch for people to come lay on and come talk to me, I'm doing this online. How credible can a coach be online? That was a limiting belief because all of a sudden being coaches, the thing, this is what everyone's doing in COVID. We're be- becoming coaches. There is no governing licensing, any of that, unless you have a specific, you know, like you have ET and the disc assessment, stuff like that. But there's nothing that, you know, there's no legislature, there's no regulation. And so I fought really hard to figure out how to define myself, how to explain what it is that I do. I know all day long that I can actually add value to your life. But when you come ask me, what can I do for you? I'm not the kind of person that can brag about myself. I really can't. You want me to talk about Bridget all day long? I can talk about Bridget all day long because I am touched by your spirit. You have this wonderful, engaging spirit. I could talk about you all day long. You want me to talk about me though? 
that was a limiting belief. I didn't think I could say anything about myself and not sound arrogant. And I didn't want to do that. I didn't think I could, as a woman in Singapore, teach mental health to men. I didn't think that I could run a business and be a single mom and run a household all on my own. But it wasn't until I started doing that stuff that I challenged that belief. You got to test the waters. You got to do it. You can't sit here and be in your feelings and and think all day long about how you can't do this and you can't do that. You can come up with all kinds of excuses, Mm -hmm. but all you need is one reason. Okay. And that reason, my daughter is watching everything I do. I left my marriage because my daughter showed me that she saw how my husband treated me. When she stepped between us and said, daddy, leave her alone. I was like, oh crap. They're all watching. Yeah. And I can be the example of how to stand up for yourself in a marriage where yeah. I can be the example of what normal looks like because fighting is normal. No, it's not. Exactly. Fighting the way we fought was not normal. That was not okay. Not for the kids to see. And guess what? Monkey see, monkey do. They do it later on in life. They become all the things that they've seen all through their lives. And I wanted them to have another option. I watched my mom bow down to my, my dad anytime he lost his temper. I watched my, and that's a different kind of strength. I'm not saying it's weakness at all. That's a different kind of strength. It was her duty to stand by her man as the way she was raised. That is a different kind of strength. I could not do that though. I could not. I needed my daughter to see that she's allowed to leave if she does not feel safe. She's allowed to speak up if she does not feel comfortable. And that's where speaking your truth comes from. If you do not feel like you are safe, you have every right to say that you don't feel safe. Yes. If you don't feel, and I know you feel this because you've been through molestation as well. It took me 30 years to stand before my molester and tell him, I don't have to tell you, I love you because he's a relative. I don't have to come up and hug you every time I see you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep you in my life if I don't want. I will be civil because I'm civil to passing people in the streets. All right. But do not expect this stuff. <laughs> it took me 30 years to stand there and tell him that. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Yes. Yes, that's that speak your truth. Amen. You don't have to be rude about it, but you can tell people, hey, you know what? I'm not comfortable. You know what? I don't feel like going out with y'all tonight because I don't I don't feel comfortable going out right now. Mm-hmm. I have other things to do. I would rather just stay home. Yeah. I don't want to meet you guys. for. Di- I can't meet you guys for dinner. I don't feel well. It could be anything. You can make up excuses, but you don't have to stay quiet. You don't have to pretend like it doesn't hurt. Exactly. You don't have to push that aside and pretend it does. It isn't there. Exactly. I love that. I love that. This is so fire. You know, we do we have to, to, to speak our truth. And, um, you know, I've never been like hit the fact that that I was wounded and hurt, you know, as a child. But one of the things that I, I will say that I did do uh, where I wasn't standing in my truth and speaking my truth was I would um, kind of kowtow to 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 the situation if I felt that it was going to be offensive because again mine was you know a familial issue and you know it's like okay if I say this then this is going to you know hurt that person and I was like you know what at the, I had got to a point I don't care and and, and I, I'm 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 a I'm a minister so I love people I'm I'm very forgiving and I forgave but I came to the point where, but I can't ignore, as you were saying earlier, how I'm feeling uh, to pacify the perpetrator, you know, if you will. I'm not going to put everything out there. And even, you know, I, I my book, you know, I talk a little bit about it, you know, in this book. I have one book that's coming out because I have a series, a series of seven. Okay. And 
one book, it, that's all it, it does is deal with that. And I was really, really worried about who is this going to, to, to hurt? Who will this harm, you know, if I'm fully transparent? And then I had to think, but who is this going to help? And, you know, so since I've been ministering, I've been a minister for almost 30 years. I've never not talked about it from the pulpit. I've never talked, not talked about it with my women's group, but in a a large, now that I'm on, you know, different platforms and like Mm -hmm. this, I can't control where this is going to go once it's put out there. And so I will say that I've tried to kind of be, um, in a box, if, if, if that's the best way to say. So speaking my truth has kind of been boxed up. And so I'm like, nah, you know, I'm at a different place. And it's not to harm anybody, but it's to make sure that other people understand, oh, you are not alone. There's other people that have gone, you know, with what you have gone through. And especially for me, it's like people, career women. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of us, we will not share our truth because if, like, say for me, I was a leader. And, you know, leaders that looked at like, oh, you all got to be you know, on your game all the time. And no, I have to say I was leading with hurt because of things that happened to me 40 That's you know, important. years ago. I want to underline that right there, because I but, think people forget that even though we're teaching and we're coaching, even though we're in a position uh, that we could actually extend some knowledge to other people, that doesn't mean that we're not going through our own struggles. I think people have this idea that, you know me as a therapist or like a counselor, a coach, um, I'm supposed to have it together all the time. But guess what? I had to talk to somebody who was very suicidal off, off of the ledge yesterday. And I can't tell you that when I came home that I was perfectly fine. I was affected. It took me a little bit of time to get back to normal. I get affected by things. The things that happened in my past, the things that I hear and see on a daily basis, those things affect me because I care. But something you said about, you know, in certain situations, you have no no problem talking about these things because you do want people to know that they're not alone. That also speaks to your need for safety. Now, whenever this molestation happened, you felt the need to keep quiet because it kept you safe. Because if you drew attention to it or you pointed it out, chances are your life was going to get worse, not better. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you kept quiet. You cowed out for a reason. It was how you guaranteed your safety and your peace of mind to survive. Yeah. But once you got older, you realize I don't have to be scared of this person no more. He can't, this person can't do nothing to me no more. I can speak up. It's not going to bother nothing. So it's a belief. Uh, When things happen, when you're very young, you develop a coping mechanism that keeps you safe. We forget that as we get older, we don't need those coping mechanisms no more. We can actually put them down and it's okay. Yeah. And then the other part of that is that those transfer. And so for my first marriage, um, it transferred into my marriage, you know, um, the feelings sometimes I would have, uh, for instance, you know, it, it was a, a, a marriage where some uh, fidelity, infidelity was going on rather. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'm, I feel it, you know, how you, you talked about don't mm-hmm. ignore you. Mm-hmm. And so going back to your second principle, or second point that you made, don't ignore you. And so I'm, I'm telling people, I feel it. And he's like, nope, nothing is going on. Best friend telling me, Mm-mm, it's not going on. Never do that to you. Well, she was the one. And it sent me back to my childhood because, and I couldn't understand it. I understand it now, 
because yeah. I'm more emotionally now. intelligent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was making a, an association with it because it was almost like me being molested. You know, it's like you're molesting my feelings. It was a boundary that was being violated. Yeah. Yep. And not so much what they did so much is how you were making me feel. You, you were not just making me feel hopeless, but you were trying to make me feel like I was crazy that it didn't happen to me. You and were imagining things. Yeah. yeah, yeah making something big that wasn't so big. Yeah. That's what my perpetrator did. You know, uh, when my mother approached them, they were like, didn't happen. They're deceased now. And so, you know, don't have to worry about that. But but that bothered me for a long time is how dare you act like this didn't happen to me? You know, and she was like, she believed me, but she was like, well, they're saying no, you know, you don't get to do that. And so that was the same thing that I did in my marriage. And so I'll be honest with you, it's certain little things that happen in my marriage now. Um, we have a great marriage, so nothing like that, but just being intimate sometimes. I'll have mm-hmm. a trigger. And again, yeah. you just said it to keep. I have to be very, very keen with my emotion. It's like, Bridget, oh, you are not getting ready to go here. Like for us having this conversation, for instance. You're so aware now. Having this, I'm aware. So maybe mm-hmm. today he come and he hugged me or he kissed me. It might try to take me back. And I was like, wait a minute, you're not going back there. You already overcame that. So that's what I'm saying. Just sometimes the conversation will try to take me back. And I was like, you have been healed. You are not going back there. So what do you say about that? And I'm going to let you have the last words, but oh my God, you have just really blessed me today. As in like uh, triggers, are you talking about? Anything, anything that you want to talk about, about speaking your truth. Honestly, everybody's going to have triggers for something or the other. It may be a huge trauma. It could be PTSD. It could be anything, right? Things are going to set you off where you want to react in a certain way because it reminds you of something you've been through before. But rather than avoid the trigger, what Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to do is kind of discover why the trigger exists in the first place. Because if you avoid every trigger, eventually you paint yourself into a corner where you can't really live life. You're avoiding everything after a while. Oh, you can't say this to me because it's a trigger, but what do we talk about then afterwards? So eventually you're going to need to heal in such a way where these things don't bother you so much that it knocks you off balance. Now, yeah, it's going to like, it's going to be like, oh my God, wait, this looks familiar. Oh my God, danger, you know, but at some point you're going to have to look at it and be like, all right, well, is it the same as it was before? Am I a different person? Can I control this? Can I figure out how to maneuver through it or around it? Can I avoid this person? Can I avoid the situation? Can I manage to take control of the situation? So once you get into that kind of an awareness, the triggers don't have to bother you that badly. They don't have to knock you off balance where it takes you days to get back to normal. It could be just a momentary thing where you get mad real quick and then you're like, yeah, but you know what? It's not worth doing this or I can avoid, you know, easily handle the situation right there when it happens. So it does not happen again. I would rather you embrace life than start running away from it and hiding yourself from everything that could trigger bad emotions because guess what? Then you're painting yourself into a corner. You don't really get to live and experience life. Mm-hmm. Then it feels really overwhelming. It feels like you have no place to go. You can't do what you want to do. You're being put upon by the world around you. That's good. I dare you to go out and live your life, really. Yeah. Let your emotions guide you to where it needs a little bit more attention. But please go live your life. Do not shut yourself down. Don't hide yourself away. Don't mute yourself because you are who you are for a reason. Mm -hmm. We need your voice, all your voices. 
Oh, check right there. Don't mute yourself. <laughs> oh, I love that. I told you I'm getting all these nuggets. We can make a whole bunch <laughs> of t-shirts out <laughs> of your sayings. Don't mute yourself. Oh, I love that. So I have one more thing that I want to ask you. Um, can you give a tip? So let's say uh, someone listening um, says, you know, they've been on the fence. Do I need okay. to get a coach? Should I really go down this path of emotional intelligence? Do I want to open up, you know, this? What would you say to that person who is, you know, on that? I would say that I've been where you are. I've wondered whether I need a coach or not, if I need someone to help me with these things. Because obviously I'm getting all this information from somebody who learned it somewhere else and wrote it down in a book somewhere or taught me, right? This information is out there already. But the difference between buying a book and reading and trying to figure it out for yourself versus having someone like me kind of hold your hand through it is I know how to ask the questions to get you pointed in the right direction. I may teach you the same stuff. Let's let's talk about the five five love languages. You could read the book just like everybody else. Gary Chapman wrote this great book called Five Love Languages. But do you know that the way you prioritize how to show love is one list of priorities and the way you like to receive love is sometimes a different set of priorities? Which means if you got two lists, guess what? Your spouse got two lists, your daddy got two lists, your brother got two lists. How are you supposed to learn what each person knows? And guess what? The number one thing that couples come to me and fight about because they're trying to get me to prove the other person is wrong mm-hmm. is the fact that I put in all this effort. I, you know, I sacrificed. I did all this stuff for this person. They don't get it. They didn't, they don't accept it. They don't appreciate everything that I am. And guess what? The person on the other side of that couch is saying the same damn thing. Why? Because you aren't speaking each other's love languages. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can go out and buy the book and read it. Definitely. I'm not saying that you can't. I did too. But if you want to get solutions specific to your actual relationship or your actual conflict that you're facing right now, a coach could cut through a lot of that noise. Ooh, that that right there. See, that's the piece. That's the piece. I love that. Thank you, Rissasi. I, I appreciate just all of your input. And here's the piece that I was saying earlier. See, I, when I didn't have a coach, I was struggling. Mm-hmm. When I didn't have a coach, I quit. I was like, mm, business is not for me. Let me go back. You know, at one point I had my, me a little real estate business. I was going to uh, flip houses. This was before everybody named mama was doing it. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't, I, I actually, uh, it wasn't just flipping house. I was going to flip some, but some I wanted to turn. I had a nonprofit and to turn, you know, some of the, the homes in Detroit, Michigan, into places to to help out with the homeless and to help with um, after-school programming for children. And then, you know, Detroit, city of Detroit, somebody came in and threw stuff on some of my property. And because of their high taxes at that time and everything, I walked away. I was like, "Mm -mm, I am not. They fined me like three too much of a fight. Yeah, I don't understand why people do that. They just don't want people. I let that one property go. And then I was like, okay, I really don't want to do this. This is too much headache. So let me go back Mm -hmm. to my cushiony job, right? (laughs) But if I had, but if I had a coach, I probably wouldn't have did that because the coach would have showed me how to maneuver around, especially an experienced coach. That's the piece. And so now I listen to my coaches. And I've moved and I've maneuvered and I've been able to to move, I think, a lot farther, uh, a lot faster. And Mm -hmm. so I agree with you. And so I appreciate you, my sister. So let me put this in layman's terms real quick. So have you ever put together a jigsaw puzzle? Uh Uh-huh. You ever try to put it together without the box of the picture that it's supposed to look like at the end? I struggle when I do that. You will get there, <laughs> but not as fast as you had the damn box, right? That was so, one of them kid 10-piece puzzle ones. I could do those. Oh, <laughs> Whatever is 100 pieces. 
but our lives are complicated. So all this information we're trying to put in the right place, we're trying to, you know, implement in the right way, whatever a coach could cut through that noise. Is that the, it's like the puzzle box itself that shows you what the end game is supposed to look like. And they probably made all the mistakes you're about to make. So Mm -hmm. make use of them. They can tell you, don't do this. I tried this. It's going to set you back like this, or it's going to end up here. I was one of those people when, uh, when we worked in marketing at a hotel and stuff, right where I made every possible mistake with the software. So by the time somebody came to train under me, I knew exactly how to teach them and tell them why they can't do what they were about to do because I'd done it before and I screwed everything up. So coaches, they've already made all the mistakes. Let them help you shortcut a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Girl, that's what I do, you know, like you (laughs) said, sitting on the campus with Lisa Nichols. I mean, she she shared some stuff with us even uh, about two weeks ago. And I was like, okay, check. You don't have to tell me that twice. You know, she was like, I did this when I first started my speaking. I did X, Y, Z. Don't do it. I was like, okay. Lisa said, don't do it over here. Yeah. Cause she's got the, you know, the track record to prove it. How many times has she spoken online? How many people has she spoken to? Exactly. So yeah. So yeah. Listen to the experts. So we have enjoyed you today. Now tell our audience how they can find you. How can they find Honestly, you? It's really silly. If you look up my name on Google anywhere, you'll find everywhere that I am. So R-A-S-A-T-H-1, Rasath1. Uh, mostly I hang out on Instagram. I'm learning Clubhouse, thanks to Ms. Bridget. Um, I have my own podcast. It's on Spotify. I believe it's on Apple uh, Podcasts as well. Still under Rasath1. It's called the Night Owl Podcast. And um, always open to DM. So if you want to shoot me a message on Instagram or on Facebook, it's still R-A-S-A-T-H-1. You can find me pretty much everywhere. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to have all that information in the show notes for our listeners too, as well. And if you happen to be watching via a video, it will be in the comment section, the description section. So everybody will be able to find you, no, no doubt, because they need to, because I'm telling you, this has been a blessing today, and we definitely need to listen to you, definitely follow your podcast, uh, so we can get some more golden nuggets. It has truly, truly been an honor and a blessing uh, to sit with you today and to hear. The first of many, Miss Bridget. Yes, yes. I am so excited. I don't know, you know, for people that that are listening, maybe they can hear my voice through the words. Uh, I mean, see my smile through the words. But the people that are watching uh, via video, I mean, they can see me smiling right now. I can't wait. You are so fire and so dope. So you said earlier, you know, it's hard for you to say all that about you. So I am enjoying saying that all about you. Um, I just recently met you um, through another a mutual friend that we have being on a platform together at a conference. And I'm telling you not one single time that I have talked to you that I have not walked away with a value add. So I appreciate you, my sister, for helping me with that. I appreciate that. So we want people to remember, trust yourself, don't ignore you and speak mm-hmm. the truth. If they do that, oh my so again, I appreciate you, my sister. If you won't have anything else, I'll let you say the final words and we're going to say goodbye. No, ma'am, if you're not already uh, following Ms. Bridget, please follow Ms. Bridget. She has a wonderful uh, clubhouse meeting on Monday nights, I believe. Well, Monday afternoons for y'all, right? It's night for me. So about one o'clock on clubhouse, she has a really great get together talking about the disc assessment, but how you know you can embrace your genius. So please follow along. 
Um, I know she's very, very welcoming of new people on that platform. So I'm excited to share a stage with her one more time. Uh, looking forward to planning out that a little bit. But yeah, I've, I have been blessed with your presence in my life. I have enjoyed every conversation we've had. I really appreciate you taking the time for me. Definitely. Thank you, my sister. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to contact Rasafi again, you can get all of that information in the show notes. As always, we ask if you could please subscribe and write us a review if you are enjoying this. If you would like to be a part of this podcast or you know someone that would be a good interview candidate, please email ordainededucator at gmail.com. As always, thank you for taking your time out to be with us today. Coach me and I learn. Challenge me and I grow. Believe in me and I win. You, yes, you are a winner. <laughs>